Seven. He didn't say what his name is. It's Daniel. So you're welcome to call, talk to Daniel. Also, he is from Poland. Um, you can take out of your Bibles, and we can go to uh, chapter nine in Zechariah. And my notes are here. Um, if you remember, uh, I'll try to make these uh, recaps shorter and shorter because I hope uh, <laughs> that you remember. <laughs> I just go like, yes, I got it. But maybe not all of us got it. So uh, the, uh, Zechariah is a prophet. He's uh, prophesying after some of the exiles have returned from Babylon. You know, God uh, threw out his people of the land because they broke his laws. Uh, there was a blessing and a curse. They chose the curse, and they got thrown out. Now he's bringing back the people into the land. Timeline of the book. Uh, we're kind of in the middle towards your right, the rebuilding of the temple. People are taken into exile and brought back. We're over in this side. Uh, if you can see, the rebuilding of Jerusalem. And uh, Haggai, Zechariah, prophesying this time. Um, Nehemiah, Esai, Ezra, Esther, those books are happening uh, after you had the other prophets that was trying to call the people back to God. It did not work. They were exiled, and now they're coming back, and this is kind of where we're at, at the rebuilding of the temple. Um, sometimes Zechariah is not the easiest thing to understand all the time. Um, and uh, today we're going to see, I found some more maps. Uh, <laughs> but because uh, some of these uh, cities were going to be mentioned uh, in the top, in the bottom, middle. Um, and here it's a little bit easier. Uh, Harak in the north, Hamath, Damascus, Sidon, Tyre. They're going to be mentioned in the text. Uh, here. <laughs> so sometimes I read different translations. I read the Danish one. It was very different than the English ones. When that happens, sometimes it's because there are many obscure words and phrases in the selection from 9 to 14 as a whole. And it is necessary to check all the uh, overall sense by looking at the whole context. When, even when precision is not possible, the clear meaning, or the meaning is clear. This is an academic saying, sometimes we actually don't understand what the word says. Uh, but we know what the section means. That means that different translations are gonna sometimes go different ways and translate a little bit different because there's some uncertainty about what the words actually mean. Without that in mind, we are ready to read. Just before we read, uh, just the last thing I added was, um, if you have one of these Bibles where you can see references, this looks like our greatest hits of Isaiah, Jeremiah, Micah, Zephaniah, Ezekiel, Leviticus, Exodus, Deuteronomy, Kings, Psalms, and other books. There are extremely, <laughs> there's an extreme number of uh, references to other things that happened in Israel's history, and also things that the prophets has already said. Um, and so, in some sense, uh, God is restating His promises through Zechariah. 
the ones he's already said through Isaiah and some of the other prophets. All right, let us read. And we'll read all 17 verses today. Very optimistic, but Marius did it, so we'll try to see if we can do it today. All right, the oracle of the word of the Lord is against the land of Hadrach and Damascus in its resting place. For the Lord has an eye on mankind and on the tribes of Israel and on Hamath also, which borders on it, Tyre and Sidon, though they are very wise. Tyre has built herself a rampart and heaped up silver like dust and filed fine gold like the mud of the streets. But behold, the Lord will strip her of her possessions and strike her down, strike down her power on the sea, and she shall be devoured by fire. Ascalon shall see it and shall be afraid. Gaza too, uh, too, and shall writhe in anguish. Ekron also because its hopes are confused. The king shall perish from Gaza. Ascalon shall be uninhabited. A mixed people shall dwell in Astroth, and I will cut off the pride of Philistia. I will take away its blood from its mouth and its abomination from between its teeth. It too shall be a remnant from our God. It shall be like a clan in Judah and Eskelon shall be like the Jebusites. Then I will encamp at my house as guard so that no, none shall march to and fro. None oppress again March over them. Now, for now I see with my own eyes. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the fold, foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariots from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace to the nations. He shall rule from sea to sea, and from river from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will set your prisoners free from revolverless pits. Return to your stronghold, O prisoner of hope. Today I declare that I will restore to you double. For I have bent Judah as my bow, and I have made Ephraim my arrow. And I will stir up your sons, O Sion, against the sons of, of Greece, and, ye, and wield you like a warrior's sword. Then the Lord will appear over them, and this arrow will go forth like lightning. And the Lord will sound the trumpet. And I just messed up my glasses. Sorry about that. It always like, oh. Um, and will march forth in the whirlwind of the south. The Lord of hosts will protect them and they shall devour and thread down 
the slinging stones, and they shall drink and roar as if drunk with wine and be full like a bowl, drenched like the corners of the altar. On that day, the Lord their God will save them as the flock of his people. For like jewels of a crown, they shall shine in the land. For how great is the goodness and how great is his beauty. Grain shall make the young men flourish and new wine the young women. Amen. So we're in the sections of some people call the oracles. Uh, oracle means yes, there is not agreement. Some say it's like, oh, it's a burden I have to carry or tell people or it's something to lift people up. So either, or maybe it's both because he's going to lift up the people but it's also going to be a burden of, of judgment. God's going to speak or God speaks in the text about what he will do and there will be judgment on Israel's enemies. If we can just go back. You can just look at this slide again. Oh. So you can see these uh, cities mentioned here. Uh, from the north to the south, this is these uh, cities that are mentioned. And those are the ones that the Lord will judge. Oh, I can also see there. But then in a but God will also bring salvation. He brings salvation to God's people, and he calls them to rejoice because someone's coming. God is sending the special king. And then in one of the verses we see that God's gonna cleanse even some of God's enemies and make them part of his people. The text of Zechariah is trying to spur on this people who are so oppressed at this point. Like everyone, like us, even this one. Oh, it's small, but like Judah is so small at this point, and there's enemies everywhere. Uh, so, so these prophecies are very important. The same thing for the exilic prophets. That they're trying to... Sh- show a vision of how amazing God is and how he'll bring salvation and judgment. Then God in verse 2 says he has an eye on everyone. God knows everything. He has an eye on all the people, a special eye on his people. He's going to call out judgment on the people against Hadrach Damascus, Hamath, Tyre. Tyre, as I learned as a studying, was was this uh, very very wealthy place, but also very well fortified. They with, with, withstood a five year siege from the Assyrians. Uh, no, that's uh, yes, and a thirteen year siege from the Babylonians. I was like, why, how can they do that? Well, because they got supplies from the sea. But they will also be judged. 
in verse uh, 3, it says that those are they're very wise people. They're rich, they're wise, they are secure uh, in their fortress that has withstood all these uh, sieges. They're so rich that it says it's like like fine gold is like what you can find instead of mud. They have it all. They have man's wisdom, they have riches, they have power, they have a safe place. No one can touch them. Well, we have in verse 4 that, well, God's going to strip everything away. Also, the power that they had, that was the sea power. God's going to take away their wisdom, their safety, their money. and devour it all. And when that happened, then Astros and Geza, they will anguish and twist in severe pain. Because why? Well, because God is going to take away what they have hoped in. They had also hoped in their own wisdom, their riches, their power. They didn't have those same things, but they were hoping that that would keep them safe and then Ashkelon will be emptied it will be a mix of people who live in Ashkelon and they will God will cut off the pride of Philistia there's something interesting that happens here God talks about how he will take away the blood from their teeth. It's very, and it's very, it's a very picture. It's very, he's painting these pictures. So Philistia was engaged in probably eating, probably eating food with its blood. Maybe it could also be unclean animals. It could also be uh, idol worship. And God's going to say, I'm going to take those things away, those abominations, I'm going to take those things away. And it too shall be a remnant for God. It shall be like a clan in Judah, and Ekron shall be like the Jebusites. So God's going to take the good old uh, enemies of the Philistines and cleanse them somehow. And incorporate them into his people. He uses this example uh, that it should be like the clan in Judah, like Ekron, like the Jebusites. So these were the people that inhabited Jerusalem before the Jews inhabited Jerusalem. And so David doesn't kill them all, but some of them gets incorporated in the Jews. So this is the example that Zechariah is using. <coughs> then in 8, I think 8 really also sets up 9. Uh, nine, 9 might be the one we all most, most of us know because it's in the New Testament. So, <laughs> so we know that verse. But God's talking and say, I will camp at my ho- house as a guard 
so that no one shall march to and fro, no oppressor shall again march over them. But now I see with my own eyes. God's going to make a path for the one to come. God will protect his house from oppression, and God will see with his own eyes when this king comes. And he asks people to rejoice greatly. Like, like uh, I was saying, we have to be pray, pray uh, big prayers and then rejoice greatly. Fits very well here. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Remember, he calls them the daughter of Zion in the opposite the daughter of Babylon. So these people rejoice greatly. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. And he's like, why? Well, because um, as they look up, they will see their king coming, righteous, having salvation, and he sits humbly on a donkey. And that's great. The, the promises keep going, though. Um, as we go to 11, God will set the prisoners free, uh, because he promised that in his covenant. And then th this is one of my uh, favorite weird, uh, um, uh, fa favorite weird places in the Bible because the reference to this is Exodus 24 where, uh, where Moses gets up and he has uh, read the... He's read the... Uh, he has uh, told them all the things. He's made all the... Uh, offering things holy and says now you will be holy so he starts th throwing blood on the whole people so we do it differently we drink Jesus' blood now instead of throwing blood on the people but that's what you did that time th that they will be holy that, that's how God made the covenant with his people so he's uh, bringing these uh, remember he, he's bringing these remembrance that's why I, because of the blood, blood of the covenant I'll set you free I'll set the prisoners free. I'll draw you out of the waterless pit. And he calls, return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. So return to God, because that's where hope is found. Today I declare I will restore to you double. Whatever you've lost, you will have the double. And God makes his people ready for, uh, for war also after this. I've been uh, ready, uh, makes his people ready against the, the Greeks. And how will this all happen? Well, um, this is a good question. Then in 14, he says, I, the Lord will appear over them, and his arrow will go forth like lightning. And the Lord will sound the trumpet and march forth in the whirlwind of the south. So God's going to do something. God's going to be the one that's fighting. God's going to be the one that protects his people. And they will see God. They will see the Lord. They will hear a trumpet. They will go out and God will protect his people. And then we have a... <laughs> the, the next part is not for children. Like the verse 15 is, uh, is very uh, highly imaged. Jury, uh, um, the image there is that the the people destroying the other people 
are so uh, doing that so well that they are, you know, bloods. They are drunk in the blood of the people they've slain. So much blood that it's like that. What comes off of the altar, you know, of the sacrifices. So it's a that's a lot of blood. Um, and God will save them. We have in sixteen. God will save His people. And he, they will be his flock. And they will shine like jewels on a crown. And they'll shine in his land. And they'll praise God for his beauty and his goodness. Great is God's goodness and great is his beauty. And God restores them to his prosperity. As we see that they're going to have plenty of wine. And they're going to, men is going to flourish. So that's what Zachariah says to all the people. I was struck a lot, and this is what I encourage all of us as we read the Bible. We really learn a lot about who God is here. We also learn a lot about people and what we people trust in. Like I said, the context here of the people is they, they need God to act. God needs to save his people. And they get this great news that this great king is coming and that God would fight their battles as he did before. Zechariah encouraged them to, to put their hope in God. He should be their fortress. He's the one who will save. He was the one that can restore the kingdom. And he will even save some of the enemies and he will judge some of the others. They should get make ready for the king. The warrior that will come and help us. This sets up the expectation of what kind of warrior they think they should be coming. Some, one person said this about uh, this verse. Uh. Oh, there. I can't remember why I had the other ones. Um, so this person, uh, or these people, says, these qualities are surprising, so surprising that this prophecy was largely negle neglected by those who waited eagerly for the Messiah. So when, when they read that the, when they read and when they're asked in this text to be rejoice, rejoice, daughter of Zion, shout aloud because your king is coming to you righteous, having salvation humbly and mounted on a donkey. These people say that this was largely, largely neglected because it's not really the Messiah they wanted especially when Jesus' time and in the times up to Jesus' coming, what did they want? They want the other parts where God would come and kill all the enemies. So maybe when we are in the New Testament and the Jews don't believe in Jesus, it's because they're looking for someone else. They're not looking for the one who Zachariah writes about. 
this is like 500 years before Jesus comes. But John and Matthew and us gospel writers, they are not in doubt. They are not in doubt. They believe that that is Jesus. They, they are not saying, oh, this is not Jesus. This is Jesus because they saw Jesus. They saw him live out his life. But this king is also supposed to make peace and rule from sea to sea, from river to the end of the earth. But Jesus came and he, wasn't, he never became king. So was that why the Jews never believed? Was it because they were frustrated that he didn't come the way he wanted? He didn't save them from the Romans. Actually, he wasn't much of a king at all. To many in Jesus' times, he was kind of a disappointment. Except all the people who knew Jesus. They saw and heard him, and he did more than any king has ever done. He won over Satan and death. He served. And he let himself die so that his enemies could be set free from sin and be have a path back to God as his child, as a new creation. Not the king they wanted, but the king that we all needed. To bring peace between God and us, Jesus died and rose again so his enemies actually could be cleansed and restored to God. Jesus will reign over much more than just a small human kingdom. He will reign, as it says, over all things. As Hebrew says, he speaks everything into being and even his mouth upholds everything. His breath upholds everything. If you stop breathing, everything will fall apart. Well, in any case, in the time of Zechariah, this is a, a great encouragement and hope for the people. They will see the enemies judged. They will see this king come, this messianic hope come and restore, peep, restore peace and keep people's people got, keep God's people safe. He was also, in a strange way, maybe the Jews were not so encouraged by that, but he was also going to save some of their enemies. As we read in Zechariah 2, the nation, to, one, to 11, some of the nations will come to God. And it's Isaiah 14.1, the Gentiles will come to God. So God will actually clean and restore some of the God's people's enemies. When we look at people then and now, like, like okay, so you're like, okay, I don't know, it's like, what, this is so long ago, it's not relevant for us. Well, I think some of the same things are in play here, too. We've, we look at us today, we look at the people of Tyre and Sidon, they had all these things, they had wisdom, they had riches, they had safety, power, they had it all. They could withstand uh, invasion for 15 years, um, and they had much wisdom. They had all things. 
And still they had nothing. Just like today. We could put our hope and faith in those things and they could be gone like this. Some of you have lived through the financial crisis. We've had a couple. Money can disappear like that. Safety is just an illusion. Power. Yeah, unless until somebody's more powerful than you. We cannot Don't believe in yourself. <laughs> so, no, that is a wrong gospel. Believe in Jesus, not yourself. That is the that is the whole point. We are lost. No, don't. No, then listen to me. The reason why you're sitting there is because you trust in yourself and not in Jesus. This is ridiculous. This is a false gospel. That's why you sit there. Because you've not put your hope and faith in Jesus, but you tried to solve it yourself. And you can't do that. And don't speak that out to anyone else, especially in here. There's no good news there. You don't find power in yourself. You find power in Jesus Christ to change. Because he died, rose again, and is inviting us to himself. Not all this garbage about I'll do it myself. That is not good news. It's horrible news. Because every day somebody's going to bang you on the head because you're not good enough. But Christ is good enough. I think you are confused. Yes, and it's in... But then listen. Hey, hey, hey. If you want to finance this, then listen instead of speaking. But you did. No, listen. You interrupted me, so be quiet and listen. You're very welcome here, but you're not teaching here. Because you don't have any good news. I do. And the people around you. So listen and be quiet. No, listen. Be quiet. Don't speak. In the name of Jesus, don't speak. Shut up. You're welcome, but shut up. You don't have good news. Listen. Thank you. 
But you don't speak when I speak, just like other people. You are welcome here, but not to interrupt. And with a false gospel, tell people to trust them themselves. No. Yeah, but you were not respectful. You can sit down and be quiet, but not interrupt. Yeah, then you can ask me afterwards and not interrupt when I'm speaking. You are teaching false teaching. Say you're telling people to trust them themselves. Then be quiet. So this will I will do. If you teach falsely, I will yell and scream at you. Because this is not... Everyone's welcome, but they're not welcome to teach. Because as you obviously can see, that man has not given news. Unfortunately. We pray that he will see good news. What do you put your hope and faith and trust in? Your own wisdom? Anything else? Obviously, those things can fall away. Your life you think is so secure can be torn apart like his and a lot of other people. Money, your own wisdom, what happens if you're not wise anymore? It doesn't take much to trust in your own position. It can always be taken away from you. It's like Raz asking the hope in God, not in themselves. Themselves ridiculous. It's what Ty and Sidon did. It lasted a while until God took it all apart. The good news is that the king's coming. He came on a donkey the first time. He's coming back next time as a warrior. He's coming to take away all the things that are not well. We've talked, this, we've talked about this before. Is it even go, okay that God is a warrior? Is it even okay that we see these graphic pictures of people being intoxicated with blood because they're slaying the enemies? God as a warrior is always encouraged for the oppressed. But if we are not oppressed, God as a warrior can seem scary. God's people needed somebody to fight for them. And so do we. But remember, even as I got really mad just before, we're not fighting against people. Okay, so I don't have the verse I'm looking for. But it's in Ephesians 6, 12. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, and cosmic powers of this presence darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. That's where the main enemy always is. 
unfortunately, that's lived out in this world and was as well then as a rebellion against God, sinful behavior, oppression of everybody else. God will fight his enemy and God will win. God shows us his kindness and goodness in that king and offers salvation to his people through Jesus. Even when people were enemies of God. Four, while we were still enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. How much more shall we be reconciled? Or shall we live by this by his life? More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have have now received reconciliation. God's enemies in this text and today can be cleansed. This great Goliath people, the Philistines, were humble, cleansed, and became becomes a remnant from God. That is great news for all of us because even God's greatest enemies can be cleansed and redeemed and the promise is that they can be begot of Judah. Zechariah has already promised that earlier uh, along with Isaiah. God's people were chosen so that other people will be drawn in. That God's Salvation plan was a lot bigger than one people. They showed election. They showed that people will be chosen from all tribes, nations, and places. That is good news about who God is. God protects his house and he protects his people. The question for us today is do we believe that he does that? He sends the king. This is all about what we've been worshiping so far. We rejoice that God sent the king. We rejoice that at least that what Jesus has done for us, we commemorate this on the Sunday called Palm Sunday that Jesus came. He was humble. But there's still more to come. Jesus is still coming back. And you will say, how long? Well, these people have been waiting for 2,500 years plus because they're still waiting for the warrior king. We've only been waiting for 2,000 some years. I was in meetings this week where people, everyone's like, Come, Lord Jesus, come, Lord Jesus. Mostly we do that when things are stinky, when things are stinky and we want out. And I understand this has been the cry of the persecuted from the church from the beginning, even John in Revelation. Peter says something a little bit different when he's confronted by people who've said, why is God, why is Jesus not come back? He says something about God. He says, God is patient. Why? He's not willing that anyone should perish. So when we get impatient, when things are bad here, God has been patient so that more people will be saved. So what do we learn? We learn that God judges his enemies. 
He saves his enemies, some of his enemies. He promises the king. And there's still a promise that the king will come and rule over all things. So the great encouragement to Zacharias people is also encouragement for us. We understand who the king on the donkey was. And in that we can see who God is way more better. We still look forward to Jesus coming back. That is our blessed hope. When God's patience runs out and no more will be saved, he will come. And then all things will be made new. Amen. God, just thank you for this time. Thank you for showing your awesomeness, your majesty, your love for your people, your love for your enemies, your love for your creation, your love for the people that you draw to yourself. Your kindness, your goodness your righteousness, your judgment. Lord, I pray that you would encourage us right where we are to that. I pray we will put our hope of faith and trust in you and not in other things. And Lord, I pray against all the enemies' effects and of different things, Lord. We just can't have false teaching about who we can trust and where we should put our hope and faith. So Lord, I ask that you would help us to anchor it in great joy in who you are. That you might great, have great glory and honor. And that we will be cleansed and continue to walk with you as, a, as your people. Give us your power and your strength by your Holy Spirit. Encourage us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so if you have any comments, questions, I'm here. I will promise. I will almost promise that I won't yell at you, but that's if I have a good day. No, um, I will do this every time. Somebody who will try to influence you with some crap that's not the gospel of Jesus. I will take up the sword and I will try to kill those people. It's a picture. Okay. I will not let that happen. I cannot handle. I've lived my life long enough without the gospel. We don't need anyone to tell us false gospels. I will not have that happen. And you should not ever listen to anything like that either. We'll do whatever we can for not that to happen. Now your co-workers are welcome. And everyone else welcome. I will not yell at them unless they get up and say something that is not true. Then I will in a nice way, probably in a nice way, nicer way than this one. I would say, thank you. We don't believe that. But if somebody tries to influence you with something that is not true, it is my job to tell them to shut up and leave. I am not going to apologize for that. That is my job. That's why I'm made as strange as I'm made, I think. Okay, so let's stand up, get the benediction, and then uh, we have some food for us. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, 
by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be forever, glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen.